Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're watching online or you're sitting with us here, uh, joining us in person, we're so glad that you're with us. If you're a guest, we always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody shout three times. And here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So my hope is that you would come back and uh, you would find what we call spiritual family. So if you're watching online, a few things. Do me a favor, like, comment, share, maybe leave a little emoji in the, uh, in the, you know, in the chat there just to let us know that uh, you're with us. And then if you're in here, hey, take out your phone real quick. Let's have some fun. Come on, take out your phone and uh, don't act like you don't got one. Everybody's got one right now. You're probably looking at it, playing Doodle Jump or checking Facebook. So since you're already on social media, do me a favor and just let someone make a little post right now. Take a picture of the church. Uh, do a TikTok. This is crazy. My crazy pastor. Uh, do something and let somebody know you're in church and uh, they should be too. And that's uh, just a great way to leverage your influence for the kingdom. That's what I always tell people. Uh, we are in the middle of a series right now called uh, Summer at Rise. What I love about the summertime um, in our church is that we get to kind of, I get the opportunity to preach about things that I might not normally preach about, which is uh, I get to kind of pick kind of little topics or ideas or thoughts uh, that maybe don't fit into a sermon series category that I would be able to normally preach on, and so I get to teach those things, and so uh, today is going to be like that. We're going to be in the book of Acts. Everybody say Acts, and uh, it's a book of the Bible in the New Testament, so the Bible, if you don't know anything about the scriptures or the Bible, uh, it's broken up into two main sections. The Old Testament's kind of the front half, uh, the New Testament's kind of the back half, or back third, you could say, and um, the, the New Testament starts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or what we call the Gospels, or the life of Jesus, and then after the, those Gospels, the very book that follows it is called Acts, and what's funny about Acts is that Acts was actually written by Luke, who wrote the book of Luke. And originally, those books were together, and they separated them so that you can kind of differentiate the time that Jesus was on this earth and did works through his hands. And then Acts shows Jesus kind of in people doing works by the power of the Holy Spirit through his apostles. In fact, that, that book is typically called the Acts of the Apostles, but better translated, honestly, is the Acts of God working through the apostles, but that doesn't sound as cool as the Acts of the Apostles. So they made it the Acts of the Apostles, and what in the first part of that book, you see the first church, the first century church starting after Jesus left this earth, and they kind of have conversations, and it's primarily in Jerusalem, but then here's what happens. The, the people in Jerusalem and the culture start to rebel and kick them out, make them feel unwelcome. Now, you and I would feel bad if you got kicked out of your hometown, but this actually winds up being a good thing because when they get kicked out, they start taking the message of Jesus, guess what, to the world. And so you start to see Acts kind of highlight and describe. Luke writes down um, kind of the missionary journeys of the apostles. You even have some kind of unique part where Paul and Barnabas get mad about and have a disagreement about whether or not you and I should be ethnically Jewish in order to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, they wind up coming to the conclusion that you didn't need to. Everybody in here say, thank you, Jesus, because we won't have to be necessarily kosher, and you don't have to necessarily observe certain parts of the law or the Torah. And guys, you and I don't have to be circumcised. Thank you, Jesus. And so there's some crazy things that can happen if you don't wait till the end of the, you know, when you get older. And so there's some cool things that happen inside of Acts, but then here's what's cool. At the end of Acts, you start to see Paul's missionary journeys. And what's interesting about Paul's missionary journeys, it always ends up with him being in jail. Now, you and I would be very upset if every time you set your life and your, your goals and you put your foot to the ground working for God, you end up in jail. Now, some of us get some of those issues where we, you know, we do something for God and something bad happens. Some, most of you probably don't end up in jail. He ends up in jail multiple times, which is why we get a lot of his letters out of the New Testament, which actually good things come from Paul's bad things, which if you're going through a bad moment right now, come on, 
The good thing about it is that God can turn it around and he actually can use it to bless not just you, but other people. Then you get into the last part of Acts, which is where we're going to be in. And we're going to pick it up where Paul is on a journey and he's on a boat because that's the airline of that day. Okay, he's on a boat going back to Rome to appeal his verdict and why he's in jail. So he's in prison right now. He's kind of he's locked up, but he's being transported by some Roman soldiers to another area of Rome, and he's on a boat, and some craziness starts to happen. Acts chapter 27. Is everybody, everybody with me? If you're with me, say okay. Everybody say, I got you. All right, context is everything when you read the Bible, so make sure you read it right. So Acts chapter 27, he says, it says, much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now, it was after the Day of Atonement. So really, that just means it's kind of gotten later in the year, and it's starting to end into, uh, enter into storm season. And so Paul warned them. So a man of God's on the boat, He speaks for God, and he's trying to help them make a wise decision. He says, man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous, bring a great loss to the ship and cargo, and to our own lives also. He says, look, we're not only going to lose the ship and the things that are in it, you're going to lose your life. Verse 11 says, but the centurion instead, listening to what Paul said, uh, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice that's important of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to uh, to winter in, the majority, that's a important part, decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix in the winter there. That's not Phoenix, Arizona. That's a different thing. And this was a harbor in Crete facing the southwest and northwest. Verse 13, and when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor, sailed along the shore of Crete. Interesting story we see that's going to lay some groundwork for what do you do when you get advice? You know, what what do you do when you get good advice, bad advice? How do you deal with a storm? That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray. Father, I thank you, God. Today you're going to speak to us, Father. There is something in this place that brings about change and life change, and that's the Holy Spirit. So today, God, um, I need you desperately. It doesn't matter what I prepared as notes. It doesn't matter uh, what my words say. And if you're not in it, I pray today, God, you would be in this place. Help me to speak your word with clarity and let it be transforming to the hearts of people in Jesus name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. I want you to think for a moment, what would be the best advice you've ever gotten? Like if you could write down and somebody said, give me a piece of advice, what would be the best advice you ever got? I had this conversation this week. I was uh, traveling I, um, in, uh, and I sat um, with a, a man who asked me, he said, what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given in your life? And um, I, I thought for a moment, I thought, here's the, here's the piece of advice that came up for me. The best piece of advice I was ever given is you do not make life-changing decisions while you're going through a storm. Now, that's good enough for the price of admission. Y'all can go home and be like, you know, that was worth it. I came to church, and that was a good idea. I got something good. Um, Because that's a good piece of advice, because we tend to make kind of crazy decisions when we're in storms. So we don't want to make life-changing, life-altering decisions when you're in the middle of a storm. Another good piece of advice I got, I thought about this too, this is kind of a little more funny, is um, don't pick on your kids while they're younger, because eventually they get older, and if there's more of them than you, then you're outnumbered, and you can be in some trouble. Now, how many of y'all know sometimes you follow advice, right? And sometimes you don't follow advice, right? And so one of the advices I didn't follow was the one about my kids because I have five young boys. One of the best things I do in my life and one of the things that brings me most joy is that I get to wrestle with my children. They love it. They're young and they're, they're amazing. Um, but I've noticed that as my boys have gotten older, they've also gotten stronger. And as I've gotten older and have more kids, I realize now that there are more of them than there are of me. And I realize I actually look back on the last probably three or five years of my life. Most of my injuries have come on the behalf of my children. Can anybody testify to that? And I realize that if I'm not careful, one day I might regret, come on, like 
wrestling with my kids and trying to, you know, pick on them a little bit. The other day, yesterday, I was out at the river. It was interesting. I had a good time at the river with some friends and uh, got this idea in my head. I thought my son was coming up from the ladder. Or the, the He was getting out of the, the river or the ladder. And I thought, well, it would be really funny. And this is how my mind thinks. And this is, I'm not a parenting seminar guy. So this is not do like Pastor Aaron says as a dad. But this is what came in my mind because I'm a godly person. I said, I'm going to push my kid in the water. And so he got up and I got him really close. I said, son, come here real quick. I want to show you. I'm like, do you see that over there? And he goes, he goes over there, and I just pushed him right into the water. You know, just random. Just And I laughed about it. It was so funny. I thought it was the funniest thing. Now, you might think that's mean, but I thought it was funny. And so I pushed him in the funny uh, in the water because I thought it was funny. So he, he punches in the water. So he gets up out, and he go, guess what I did when he came back out of the water? Come on, y'all. Y'all know what I'm saying. Because I'm a dad, because I'm having a funny. Don't act like you're, you're laughing about it. You do it, too. And so I just, you know, I pushed him in the water again. So he fell into the water. So now he's getting mad. So he's getting up out of the water, and then he calls his brother over. I said, get your brother. I ain't got no, I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared. Come on, bring him over here. He brings his brother over. So I'm like, let's go. Let's do this. So I have two of them now trying to grab me and throw them in the water. And guess who won? That's right. Dad, right? Because I'm a man, all right? And they're kids. I'm a man. You're a, oh, you're a kid. And so I'm pushing him in the water. He gets his third brother. Brother comes over. Remember, they got five of them. So his brother comes over. His dad, there's three of them. Then they get their friends. And I'm like, bring them on. I'm the Hulk. You're not going to win. And so I'm pushing them all in the water. Before I know it, there's like 75 kids with all their friends. And then they start getting their parents involved. And I'm just, 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 just hear me. For some reason, every time I go where there's a body of water, they want to push the pastor in the water. And I'm like, I'm already baptized, okay? It's okay. I don't want to go in the water. So they're trying to push me in the water. I get to the point where eventually I get to the dock, and yes, to answer the question of what really happened, I got thrown in the water. I got hurt. Part of my finger got ripped off. It was terrible. I'm going to get a tetanus shot tomorrow. It's bad, all right? But the problem is, is I didn't take the advice of people who are wise. Let me call on, how many, does everybody say wise? There's like wise people trying to give me advice about my kids. I didn't listen. I paid the price for it. And at the end of the day, sometimes we don't take advice from the right places and the right people. You right now might be in a crisis, okay? You might be in a storm, okay? And I know I'm not minimizing the storm because we, we're all struggling with something right now. But it could be on the back of some bad advice. I'll give you just a few ideas. You could be in the storm because you got a right, wrong advice from the quote-unquote experts. Now, let's have some fun today. If you're in here and you put deodorant on and hopefully you took a you know, shower, raise your arms up real quick and give me the air quotes. And we're going to say experts on the count of three. Come on, everybody online, participate like you got it. Come on, everybody. Let me go. Put the air quotes up like you do. We're all going to say on the count of three. We're going to go one, two, three. Experts. Okay. And so there are a lot of experts in the world today. Have you noticed that? Like every time I read the news or hear something, like the experts are saying this. And I'm like, okay, who made them experts? And then I always ask, y'all following experts? And I follow experts in my life. And what's funny is, the centurion soldier who was dragging Paul across this thing, he had two options. Follow a godly man or follow the experts. And I said he followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. And I've just noticed that, like, I have gone through my life, and maybe this hasn't happened with you, but I've noticed I've ended up in a crisis because I followed the wrong expert. So, like, I asked somebody about financial advice. Come to know they didn't have any financial advice to give me because they didn't have no financials to get, Right? 
So you didn't have no money, but you talking to somebody who had no money, and he, you're following their advice on what to buy on stock and when to spend your money and how to deal with your money. And then you're stuck with no money going, God, why did you do this? And he's probably looking at you like, I don't know why you did that. Why did you listen to the, yeah, the expert? Or you took, come on, marriage advice from someone who's had 18 marriages and is not, and is, is, doesn't even believe in marriage. Come on, right? Like, but they were the expert in their minds, and you followed their, their advice. Or, or maybe a kid, this is the funniest one, like when people give me advice and they don't even have no kids. Like, you know, you need to do this with your kid. And I'm like, well, how many kids you had? Well, I ain't had none yet, but you know when I do. I'm like, listen, until you're baptized by fire with a one-year-old who doesn't sleep. Like, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, do you, you don't even remember the first year of your life with that kid. You want to know why? Because you didn't sleep. I'm a little fired up in the second service. We might do the 9.30 for the online. You know what I mean? Like, we post it later. So anyway. But you took advice from the expert. Here's another one. You got wrong advice from the majority. You remember when mama used to tell you? Come on, you know, mama used to tell you, like, well, if everybody jumped off a bridge, right? Like, if everybody, what was she saying? She was saying, just because everybody's doing it, don't make it right. And I've just noticed that, like, it's so funny. You know how we do this? We do this with our people. So if the Republicans are doing it, because they're our people, if majority, like, then we do it. If the Democrats are doing it, if the conservatives are doing it, if the, come on, like, I know I'm putting, if the masked people are doing it, if the unmasked people are doing it, the vaccine or no vaccine, if you go, you're going to get in a Bitcoin or you're not going to get in a Bitcoin. It's like, all of a sudden, you and I, we don't even make decisions because of what God told us. You made the decision because a bunch of people were doing it. Now, listen, I'm, I was, you know, I'm from Stockton, California, all right? 209. That's where the ghetto was invented, okay? We invented gangs, all right? And, and, and I'm Mexican, and so, like, we have a way about ourselves, right? And so we, we just kind of get things sometimes. And one of the things I've noticed about my people is we'll be sitting outside in, like, a restaurant, and if you see a majority of people running in a direction... There are some people who will sit there and wait for it to happen and figure out what's going on. That's not my people. What we do is we start running and we figure out what's happening later, right? While we're running, where are we running from? What's going on? Where are they at? What's, what's happening? And so sometimes you and I can get into situations where you made a decision not because you believe in it, but because the majority of the people in your life who think are right, you go and do it. Come on. Come on. And then you end up in crisis. You, 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 that's just how it works. They call it um, groupthink, which, by the way, is not unbiblical because what's funny is if you go back and look at the children of Israel, they got received and relieved and re they were released from slavery. They get into a desert, which is a storm, which is a crisis. They get into a moment and you actually see they all got together and they all started to think, hey, wouldn't it be better? They literally go to Moses. Moses, can we go? They ask to go back to slavery. Don't tell me the majority is always right. Third one is this wrong advice from, uh, from circumstances. This is funny. They said, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. Now, I'm a pastor, okay? So I'm going to give you some insight to being a pastor. What's funny about people is that I'll talk to a lot of people who genuinely believe and they make decisions based on circumstances aligning just right. So I'll give you an example. 
I've met people who've married someone because they had a dream about that girl named Sheila. And then they woke up and they saw a cloud that kind of looked like an S. And then they watched a TV show, I'm not kidding you, that had someone named Sheila in it. And then, and, and then they, they met Sheila and they were like, the one! And then they speak for God. That's God. And I'm like, okay, I work for God. And I don't even say that's God. Like, I'm careful with it, right? Like, you got to be careful saying stuff. I get frustrated with even pastors sometimes, like my people. We have the issue sometimes because sometimes we're like, that's God. And you're like, hmm. I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be careful. You gotta be, be careful. I'm not saying it's not, but I'm just, you gotta be careful because it could be that you just saw a cloud that happened to be shaped like it. Come on, right? I mean, and it's like circumstance. I remember sometimes, like, you ever go shopping and you're like, God, give me the front parking spot if you really want me to be here. Anybody do that but me, you know? And you get up and then the front parking spot's open. You're like, Princess Parking. And you're like, yeah. And you get up in there and you're like, this is time to go. And you're like, and you walk around and all of a sudden people are nice to you. And it's on sale. Come on. Isn't that the voice of God everywhere? It's on sale. Buy it. Uh, I met someone. They said, I said, why did you get so much debt? They said, well, I mean, like we were praying about it. And then like this credit card came in the mail and they said it was free. It was like a free credit card in the mail. That must have been God. I said, no, that you realize MasterCard pays billions of dollars to send those out to everybody. But we do it. We think circumstance. We think it all aligned. The stars are aligned. Like all of a sudden we're Greek people. Like we think like, oh, what? the gods are with us in our favor. You know, like so it's like pagan. It's really the most pagan way to think. Rather than, you know, making a decision from, from good advice. So, so, look, however you end up in a crisis, really at the end of the day, you need to know how do you get out of a crisis. So, so what's funny is, here, okay, here, here's the deal. I, I'll say this, and you got to hear me and, and hear my heart in this, okay? Um, rarely does God bring us out of a crisis. I'm not saying always or never. But I will say rarely. More often, he works us through the crisis. And so what's irritating about that, can I just, can I be real? Can we be real? Like, look, if you don't like a real church or a real pastor, like you, you realize early on that's probably not, this is not for you. But like, I, I, I get frustrated with God. Anybody else? Because when I have a moment and an issue and a struggle, when I, my first, my first prayer to God is not like, God, thank you for this. Glory. You know, like. I just think it's funny, you know, sometimes. I'm like, I know you should. Like, that's what the Bible says, but I, I, I struggle with that. Like, anybody else? Am I by myself? Okay, people online. Okay, great. So, like, I don't love it, but what I've noticed is that, like, like if I don't, if I don't do the right thing, I don't tend to see it the right way. I, I tend to get the wrong thing, right? Right? So I have to know what to do and what not to do in those moments because what's funny about crisis is it doesn't, um, it doesn't, just so you know, this is people say this all the time. A crisis builds character. That's not true. Crisis always reveals character. It reveals who you are. It doesn't make who you are crazy. It just reveals who you are. 
So you have to be ready to know what to do in the moment. If you don't know what to do, you, you're going to be in trouble. So I'm going to give you some to-don'ts from the sailor's perspective on this ship, all right? Here's what you don't do. So if you're writing, taking notes, please write this stuff down. Number one is this, is please don't drift, okay? In, in a storm, we all want to drift. Don't do it. Verse 14, it says, but very, very long, before very long, a wind hurricane force called the Northeastern. Now, how many of y'all know that's a storm when it's got its own name, right? You know how they, you know, El Nino and all that, like that's, it's got its own name. Swept down from the island and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we, this is interesting. So we gave way to it. And we're driven along. Translation, storm got worse, winds blew hard, and they just went with it. Let them push them around. Now, the stronger the wind is, the stronger the storm is in your life, the bigger the temptation is to just kind of, well, I guess it's just, it's just what it is. You just let your problems push you around. Before you know it, you end up, do you ever, okay, look, like, like we all family in here, right? So you ever, you ever gotten to a, a storm? And like halfway through it, you, 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 you said this statement. You asked God, how did I end up, come on, y'all, here, right? Like, you, don't y'all say that? Did anybody else say that this week, today, on the way to work, on the way to church? Come on, like anybody? Like, like you, you and I, we always, we, how, did I, how did I get here? And you realize you allowed the storm to push you around to the point where you don't even know where you are anymore. It said the wind Bloom, and they gave way to it, and they, they let them drive them along. I was watching this movie the other day, um, and it's a good movie. It's called uh, it's called The Patriot. Anybody ever seen The Patriot? Right, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's back when Mel Gibson was you know kind of normal, and um, and so the the whole movie's about you know the the war with the the British, and and you know our freedom, and like I don't know if you're like me. But when I watch those movies, I get amped up. I'm like, let's go, you know, and I'm on the edge of my seat. And um, I'm watching Mel, and they have this battle where the, the, their, their enemy was more than them, and they're standing on the, you know, they're standing up, and they're kind of, it's a unique way of battling because they didn't, you know, it wasn't guerrilla warfare. It was like, we stand here, we stand here, you shoot, we shoot. It was a very gentleman way, it seemed to of you know, warfare, and it was, it was odd, it's odd for us, but that's kind of the custom then, but they, they, they're standing there, and one of the, they start to battle, and one of the army men sees, there's no way this is, we're not going to win, and so he turns around, and starts running, and one guy sees the other guy running, and so that guy follows him, and they start running, and one guy yells, retreat, and the other guy, so then they're, and before you know it, what happens? The whole army starts to run away. Well, so Mel's looking at this going, what? And uh, Y'all lost your mind. And so he sees the flag on the ground. And he goes over. And this is like epic, right? He walks over. There's fire. There's guns. People falling. It's just crazy. He picks up this flag. And the cinematography's epic, man. They got like this shot with the sun. The beams. Smoke. I'm trying to take y'all there. Y'all see what I'm talking? Okay. The flag is slow motion. He picks it up, and he starts running towards the battle. And at that point, I'm standing up. <laughs> because I'm like, and he starts running towards screaming. I'm like, 
America! You know, like, yes! Yes! Like, freedom, right? Like, it's like William Wallace from Braveheart and Patriot. They're all wrapped up into one. I'm just like, yes! And he's running towards, and, and he's running. Okay, everybody's running away. He's running towards, and the, the guys are watching him, and he's like, what are you doing? And he says this statement. I'll never forget it, okay? Like, and you all need to like write this statement down, put it in your heart, because it's really good, okay? He says this statement as he's running back with the flag billowing in the smoke and the light, okay, the sunbeams. He screams this sentence. He says, hold the line. And he gets up and he gets on this, you know, he starts waving it around. And what people start to see is, oh, this is what we do. We don't run. We hold the line. We don't drift. We hold the line. We don't, we don't allow the storm to push us. We hold the line. It's not even, it's funny, it's not even we take ground yet. Sometimes you just hold the line. And so you're standing there, and then all of a sudden, one guy turns around and goes, oh, Mel's running back that way. We got to go. So he starts running towards him, and then they all start running toward him. And then what's the greatest epic part is that they start taking, and they overtake him, right? But they didn't have to overtake him right away. They just, in that season of storm, come on, they had to hold the line. So if nothing else, in your storm, God, hold the line. I'm not saying you have to go be the best version of yourself or the best Christian in the world or go around and talk about like everything is daisies and blue sky. But I am saying at some point you got to hold the line. Yeah. Number two is this. Is dis, don't discard. Acts chapter 27, it goes in verse 18. This is good. He said, we took such a violent battering from the storm the next day. They began to throw cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. At the temptation for all of us in the season of storm is to discard and get rid of everything that you always believed in in that moment. Did you know that? It's why you see and hear stories all the time that when somebody was on fire for Christian, right? Anytime I wasn't a Christian, I always wanted people to say that like, on fire. I'm like, they be lighting people on fire in church? I'm like, that's crazy. Like, wh where's the fire? I'm not, I don't want to be on fire. You know, like, so what they were saying is, is like they had a passion for God because they were so thankful and so grateful that God took them from where they were and who they really know who they are and not what Instagram, what they show the social media world, but that God, God took them where they really were and who they really were and who they, where they really were. And they actually he did something for them. And he did an amazing thing. And so they're running around and they're excited that God did something. And then something happens. And now they don't believe in God no more. What do they do? Oh, they just, they just discarded everything that they believed and they valued and their traditions and their relation. How many of y'all have lost someone in a season of storm where you, you just, they walked away from you. They were going through something and they just, all of a sudden, you don't have their relationship no more. Why? What were they doing? They were discarding everything in their life. And in those moments, instead of discarding the things that you believe in and love and value, God, hold on to them. Don't get rid of them. Those things might be what you need and might be the very thing that's going to get you through the storm. Come on. They were throwing away cargo. That meant food. How many of y'all like food? I like food. I've just noticed I don't tend to act right when I don't have food in my stomach, right? Some of y'all, like, you know, it's like you get hungry. I'm like, I'm like, you need to take some of that act right. Like, go eat. Like, go do something. Like, put something in your belly. Then we'll talk, right? 
But you get rid of the things that might actually help you in the season. Third one is this. Don't despair. These are the don'ts. Don't despair. And I'm almost done. That when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging. This is what's fascinating. He says, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And and maybe the biggest temptation in And the most troubling aspect of all storms is that it could get you to such a dark place that you can literally be without hope. And you can feel despair. The sailor spent 14 days in total darkness. This little ship in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. It's it's amazing what we, we can lose all hope in the moment of our storm, but, but you can't despair. The, the, the thing you have to value most is hope. We're people, just so you know, we're people of hope. We're people of faith. We're actually the people that are crazy enough to believe in the impossible. So don't let the world teach you otherwise, and don't let your, even your personality teach you the other. You don't need to have certainty to believe in God. In fact, that's the whole basis of our faith is that you and I believe that there really was a man who came from heaven. That we really believe that there was a man who lived a sinless life. We really believe that he died, but before he was died, he was tortured for you and I. We really believe that he went into a, cra- a cave and the stone was rolled over and that, the, he, that he really did die. But then we really believe that the stone somehow rolled away and that he really came alive and that he lives again and that he did some laundry when you look at the cave and he folded his clothes. And he said, listen, I'm so good that I even do my own laundry And he goes to heaven after he steals the keys of death. We really believe that. So don't fall into the the trap of thinking, if I see a storm, I'm not going to make it. Because God specializes in those moments. And you and I are his people. You and I are his people. So if that's what we don't do, let me give you a couple of things to do before we we wrap up today. Is Is this okay for anybody? I just hope, you know, I'm trying to help. Somebody in a storm. Here's what you do. Instead of doing what the sailors did, let's do what Paul does. Paul does some different things inside of his crisis. Number one, he remembers who is with us. He remembers who's with you. Who's with me? Who's with me? Who's with me? That I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not. Everybody say, say, I'm not alone. Yeah, say it again. Say, I'm not alone. See, what's funny about God is that he's everywhere all the time. He fills all things. You don't have to ask him to be with you or be in you. He's already there. And so Paul has to remind himself that, though. Isn't that funny? You and I forget. I forget. I forget all the time. Because when something bad happens to me, that means God's not there. No, no, God's there. Remember, rarely does he deliver us out of it. He delivers us. Yeah, yeah, through it, through it, through it. So he, he says in Acts chapter 27, this is Paul, last night. An angel of God to whom I belong to. I love that. Come on. Sometimes you guys and I need to, we need to talk about that. Like we, we, we have a lot of individuality. Sometimes you just need to not be an individual. You need to be a part of a family. I like how Paul said, the, the, the God and the angel, I, I belong to someone. He's my God. He said, and whom I serve stood beside me in your storm and in your moment. You need to remind yourself. You want to know why we read the Bible? It's not to be Christian. 
by the way, a lot of the first century church, they never had the Bible. So, like, we don't read the Bible to stay Christian or stay connected to God. You want to read the Bible? You and I should read the Bible to remind ourselves of who God is and who we are in God. So if you're going through a storm and you need to remind yourself, here's some verses that could help you. Hebrews chapter 13 says, but God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's good. Matthew chapter 28 says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age of Jesus. The last thing he said, just so you know, I'm with you. John chapter 14 says, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you. How long? Forever. Forever in the Greek, just so everybody knows because I studied it, it actually means, yeah, you're right. It means forever. And in those moments when it's too dark to feel stuff, I ask God. I'm dramatic. You probably figured that out. One of the things that theologians talk about is that we, we, pagan thinking, humanity thinking, always makes God like us. So God to you looks like you, just so you know. It's why, what, it's why it frustrates you so much when he doesn't do what you want him to do. Because God always looks like you in our minds. But he doesn't look like you, by the way. He doesn't even think like you. He doesn't talk like you. He doesn't act like you. He doesn't even look like you think he looks like. He, you, we cannot comprehend him. Why? Because he's God. And if we could, he would cease to be God. By definition, we don't get him. So just release that from you, right? But I asked God one time. I said, God, I'm dramatic. You made me this way. Thank you. Um, I need to hear your voice right now. Has anybody ever been so lost in this world where you just, you are begging, like I was begging God, God, I'll give you anything if you just give me an audible. Has anybody had that prayer with God before? Or just, so I'm not crazy. Okay, okay, good. So I'm like, God, light the TV screen on fire without it being consumed like the bush. Open up the, you know, like open up the heavens, like open up the heavens, lay down something, speak to, I need to hear your voice, God. I need you. And I not just, I need you to scream it because I'm loud and I got a lot of kids in my house and I got to scream all the time. Just, I relate to yelling. I need you to speak at a volume I can understand because I can't hear you, God, and you haven't spoken to me in a long time, and it's really, really dark, and I got a really, really bad headache, and I'm really frustrated, and I don't understand, and this doesn't make sense because I'm your son, and you're my dad, and if it made any sense, if this thing made any sense, then you would take this away from me, so I need you to speak to me, God. Anybody had that conversation with him? And he answered me. It's like one of the rare times he answered me. Because I said, I need to just, just please, you know, I need to hear it. And he said, he said, oh, oh, son, I, I whisper when I talk. I mean, it kind of, I said, why, why do you whisper, God? Why? You know, and I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why he talked, he talked to me right in this. He didn't answer any of my other prayers or any of my other questions. 
Side note. Um, I love that we're a part of a church with broken people. You have a broken pastor. You have broken leaders. We're all going through a season. And in those moments of true vulnerability, I think God wants to speak to us. And he said to me, he said, I said, why do you whisper? He said, son, I whisper, because I'm close. Distance creates separation, he said, but I'm close. I don't yell at you because I don't need to. I'm close. I'm close. I'm close. Whisper. By, by the Spirit, you're, you're not alone. You're not alone. He's close. Second thing Paul does, he says, remember where you're going. He says, okay, so yeah, remember God's with you. But yeah, remember where you're going. You have a purpose. He says in verse 24, and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. God has generously given you the lives who sail with you. God's got plans for you. you got something to do. One of the ways that I kind of help my anxiety anytime I fly is I always say, God, i got a purpose. I'm not going down in this. Well, sometimes you got to do that in your storm, you know. Every Christian should live with a sense of purpose of what God has put inside of them, what God is doing inside of them, that you have a purpose in your life. Hey, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. God's not done with you. You have a purpose, and you have a purpose. God's not done with you. you got a plan in your life. God's going God's to work something through you. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. You, God's going to do something in both of you guys. God's going to work through you and a purpose in you. God's going to work through you. God, by the Holy Spirit, has got a purpose in you. got a purpose in you. God's going to work through you, purpose. Come on, don't, don't miss this moment. God's got a purpose in you. God's going to work through you. God's going to do something special in you. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a purpose for you. Hey, you sir, right there, you got a purpose. God's going to move through your life. If you're not a dead, you're still alive. God's going to work through you. God's going to work through you, young man. There's a purpose in your life. Young lady, you're going to, God's going to do something special in your life. There's a purpose in you and a purpose in you. God's going to work 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 in you. God's not done with you. God's not done with you. There's a purpose in your life. And sometimes you got to remind yourself, well, I'm a purpose. Wow, I'm not here for an I'm not an accident. I'm here on a purpose. And one of the ways we, we help you in the, our church is we do like next steps. And we, we help you find your purpose. And one of the coolest things that we do as a church is we help you find your next step because we want to help you find your purpose because God wired you to do something special and unique in this life. And we want to make sure you can do that. So don't miss your opportunity to get in the next steps because God's got a purpose for you. It's not about serving at a church. You can go to next step. In fact, you go through next steps. You're not gonna be, it's not to get on church. It's so you can find your purpose. Figure out what you're going to do. Last thing and I'm done. Is remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. Paul says in Acts chapter 27, verse 25, he says, So keep your courage, men, for I have found faith in God. That it will happen just as he told me. It's going to happen. 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 I didn't promise that. God promised that. It's going to happen. He's going to do something. He's working this out for my good. He's going to work this out for my good. Like the good thing he started, the Bible says good thing he started. He started something in me. He's going to finish it. And for some reason, God doesn't use my Apple Watch's time. 
He uses his time. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And in those moments when I'm struggling with God, I, I, I just, you know one thing I struggle with is I make God a lifeguard and not a savior. It's like I go into a situation in a moment, and what I do is in my heart, start struggle, and in my storm, what I do is I go to God, God, help me get out of this storm. And I was talking to somebody one time. I said, you know what? Well, you should maybe, I asked him, I said, do you trust God? He said, yes. I said, so in that moment, just trust him. He goes, well, well, well I got to pray, and I got to ask God to come into the situation. You missed it. He's already there. So it, there's nothing wrong with prayer, okay? Don't mishear me. But sometimes you just need to pray before, and then when you get in the situation, trust him. You, you just got to trust him. That's how you think. By the way, that's the secret to thanking God for the storm is, is not start with asking him to take it away. It's just, God, I trust you with this, man. I, just, I was talking to a gentleman, lost his job, and he, he said, Pastor, the very thing that I did after the moment I did it, after I lost my job, he said, you know what I did? He said, I, God, I trust you. That's it. He didn't cry and beg God and pray and ask him to change the storm. You know what he did? He said, I'm in the storm. I'm in it. I'm in it. But God, I trust you. The other day, I promise you I'm done. This is like my fourth close. I'm done. Um, I've been working on this. I've been working on this message uh, five months and 30 days. God's been working it. I just kind of gave you guys my, um, my, my journal. I said, God, what, what was the, um, how do you remind yourself of your promises? Because that's what's really helped me. And um, the other day, I went on a trip. Before I go on a trip, I always talk to my boys. Um, if, you know, I'm going by myself, um, I'm not taking my wife, and so she's there. And I always talk to my boys. And um, I always start off with, you know, I'm a really godly person, so I always start off with threatening them. And, um, you know, I'm like, like listen. Like if I come home and you know, my wife's frustrated, we're going to have problems, right? You know, it's like, just please be good. And um, what I've realized is that, um, and maybe your kids are different, uh, but sometimes they don't always just listen and, and do the things I ask them to do. So I have sometimes moved into bribery with my children. And so I, I bribe them now. I'm like, hey, look, you start to barter, you know, because at some point there's so many of them and you're just like, hey, like at some, I'm going to be gone. I'll do, I'll give you ice cream. I just, I just started doing that. Like, if you just be good, I'll give you ice cream. So I told Titus, um, I told Titus this and he was like, he was like, dad, what can I do for you? And they're great boys. I'm teasing, but they're, they're good boys. But, but you know, there's a lot of them and they can get rowdy. And so I told him, I said, Titus, I said, hey, if you help mama with your brother, Winston, the little one, and just be good. Don't fight. Just just help him. And, and just, will you help him? If you just be good, I'll give you some ice cream when I get back. And he goes, bet. Dad, I got you. No problem. And so, you know, sometimes it's the stick. Sometimes it's the carrot, right? You just got to help him, you know? And so, um, and so I was like, all right. I came home, and um, I was home for two days before Titus walks up to me. And he goes, hey, Dad, um, I just wanted to remind you 
about the ice cream. And I was like, oh, man, son, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I would love to give you ice cream. I'm like, I would love that. Like, that's, let's go get ice cream. You were so good. Thank you so much for being a good young man, godly man. Thank you, son. I love you. And we're at ice cream. And I looked at him and I said, I said son, why did you wait so long? Uh, how did, oh, actually, I, I said, how did you wait so long, right? That's not normal for a kid, right? I said, how did you wait so long before you asked me for ice cream? And he said, so the funniest thing, he said, he said, Dad, I don't know. And he said this, God's my witness. He said this. He goes, oh, no, I just reminded myself, and I, that was good enough for me. I just reminded myself, I'm going to get ice cream one day. I'm going to get ice cream. I said, I'm going to get some ice cream. And then when I realized you didn't remember, I killed told you. <laughs> I was like, no, that's okay. So there's this interesting story where Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he's teaching his kids. There's all these people around him, his disciples, and his, you know, his followers. And he said, he said, you... Whenever your son asks for bread, you don't give him a stone. He said, so, and he says this funny thing. He goes, you who being evil do that. How much more would your heavenly father want to bless his kids, right? So he uses this as an example. He says, look, you guys are crazy and evil, and you're still give your sons food when they ask for food. How much more, since I'm, God is holy, would want to take care of you? He says, you have a good father who loves you. And I think that sometimes when you're in a storm, you, maybe a good posture is what Titus did, is that you have a good father who doesn't ever forget. He doesn't do what I did. He's always got you and your blessings on his mind. And if he's like that, sometimes in the process and in the meantime between you getting the promise and, come on, and you receiving the promise, which is a different thing, the gap is filled by you reminding yourself of how good he is. So some of you and I, we're all going to have to do what Titus did sometime ago. I'm going to get some ice cream soon. I'm going to get some ice cream. I, this doesn't look right, but I'm going to get some ice cream. It's coming. It's, the ice cream's coming. I, I, it doesn't feel right. Relationship doesn't feel right, but the ice cream's coming. Like, I know my finances don't feel right, but the ice cream's coming. Like, I know my, my relationship, my marriage doesn't feel right. My husband is lost. My wife is lost. It doesn't feel right, but the ice cream's coming. Like, I know that my kids are lost and they're prodigals, or they don't listen, or there's something going on with them. It doesn't feel right, but, but the ice cream's coming. Like, I get it. Like, I I know in those moments you're going to struggle, but like we're going to have to remind ourselves of the goodness of God and remember he don't forget nothing. And if he promised you, which he did, he's going to make it happen. Hopefully this could be an encouragement. My prayer is that you would walk out of here not praying and seek, thinking that God's going to remove your storm because you see in this moment, if he, look, if he saved anybody, shouldn't he say, Paul, come on, Saint Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, we want him to be saved, right? It's a good idea that he gets saved. But what you find out later is that two-thirds of the New Testament were all written from the very thing that you and I pray against every day, and that's storms. So maybe we shouldn't pray against them. Maybe we should just act right in them. Just be holy. That's my prayer and my encouragement to you.